Final Night Poetry Slam. I want to sew the world into its sheets. I want to beat it with a bat until the warning sticks. A handgun is a machine. I'm tired of holding the wounded animal of my heart and instructing it on how to bleed. All I see are stars in the mouth of a tiny ghost. Hello out there, it's your friendly neighborhood podcaster, Eddie Eifler, coming back at you with another episode of the Mile High Poetry Slam podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are going to talk a lot about team selection this week, because this is team selection weekend. Both Slam Nuba and the Mercury Cafe are having their team selections. Slam Nuba's is going to be this Friday at the Crossroads Theater. Definitely want to check that out. It is going to be presumably what looks like the last event that Slam Nuba is going to hold at this venue. It has been such a huge part of the fabric of Slam Nuba ever since they moved in there in 2007. So it's going to be great to have the team selection be the last send-off of this venue. It's going to be in a, a very appropriate way to say goodbye to the Crossroads Theater and hopefully hello to the next new chapter in Slam Nuba. So that's going to happen this Friday, the 28th. Uh, get there at 7 o'clock. Make sure that you have a spot because these events tend to fill up very, very quickly. Because the show is going to be just off the freaking charts. The show is going to be amazing. Along with the team selection at the Mercury Cafe, another amazing show. That's going to happen on Sunday. So you've got Friday night, Slam Nuba, Sunday night, Mercury Cafe. Now the Mercury Cafe is doing away with the jam before the slam and might have a very, very short open mic just to kind of get the crowd warm before the team selection takes place. The open mic is going to start at 7 p.m., so if you want to sign up and do that, you need to be there by 6.30. The team selection process is going to begin at 7.30 because it's probably going to be a long night. We have 15, it looks like, members qualified to go out for this team. I'm not entirely sure how many of those 15 are actually going to go out for it, but we're looking at minimum 11 people from this list of 15 that's going to go out and try to make it onto the Mercury Cafe's National Slam team, which is going to be held in Denver, Colorado this year. What? It's going to be so amazing. It's just going to be a a scoop of awesome and a scoop of incredible all smothered on top of an amazing foundation of awesome poetry and it's just going to drip from all of our mouths. We are going to love every single second of this weekend and I encourage you to go out. If you did not have plans to go out and check out some poetry this weekend, I encourage you highly to change those plans. I know there's a lot going on. There's live music. It's the start of springtime here in Denver, Colorado. There's a lot happening, but really, if you miss out on this, you are missing out on two of the best shows of the entire year. This week on the podcast, we are going to review the last chance slam that happened at the Mercury Cafe this last Sunday. Uh, We're going to preview team selection. I also want to say a big thank you to our guest last week, Jill Carno, for letting me stop by and ask her all kinds of questions and really get an insight 
as to the motivations in the mind and the approach behind a brand new Slam Master uh, taking over a venue. It was such a great interview. So thankful that Jill would donate her time like that and be so forthcoming and, and outright with all the questions I asked. So I huge, huge thank you one more time to Jill Carno, our guest last week. This week, we've got local Slam legend Paulie Lippman stopped by the compound for an extended time, and I asked him all kinds of great questions. You are going to want to stick around for the interview with Paulie Lippman because we get into team selection, what it's like to be on a team, the challenges, the highs, the lows, and really there are very few people as qualified to talk about what it's like to be on a team than Paulie Lippman. The only other name I can think of that compares in the local scene is Ian Doggerty, and he already was very generous and gracious and donated a bunch of his time for our very first episode. So Paulie stopped by, we talked about team selection, we talked about Denver's past, where it's headed, the future. You are definitely going to want to check that out. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about this last chance slam at the Mercury Cafe after the bump. Denver. 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 Queen City of the Plains. Lift high our spirits. Sing well our praise. For in you we live and are loved. All right, this last Sunday, April 23rd, was the last chance slam to be qualified for the Mercury Cafe National Poetry Slam team. Before we get into that, I'm going to run down a list of names who are qualified to go out and compete for the team. Those names are Paulie Lippman, Mickey Ran, Erica Skeels, Eddie Eifler, Connor Marvin, Jess Nieberg, Julie River, Catherine Grace Scott, Emily, Wheeler Light, Megan Fowley, Jill Carno, Elijah, Kylie C, Zachary Sally, and the winner of our last chance slam, which we'll get into later. Now, the reason I bring this up is because that is a ton of names. This harkens me back to the days of old when we used to have 15, 16 slammers in a team selection. It was like this intense bloodbath battle between all these different people trying to vie for five spots and an alternate position. Which is why I say this is going to be one of the best shows you are going to see all year long. The Slam Nuba team selection is also going to be one of the best shows you are going to see all year long. It's going to be some of the best poets in the state, in the city, in the country, in the world. All vying to represent you, represent your city at the National Poetry Slam when it comes to Denver, Colorado. So, with that out of the way, we're going to talk about the Last Chance Slam. First up... The open mic. The open mic was complete fire on this night. Probably because a lot of the people who had already qualified for the team didn't want to sign up to slam, so a lot of regular slammers, regular performers decided to opt for the open mic instead. Let me just read you down this list of names. We had Wheeler Light, Piper Mullins, Alyssa, who was a brand new name who got up there, Jess Nieberg, Pauly Lippman, Erica Skeels, Gabrielle Patterson, who is an out-of-town poet and just absolutely destroyed this room with two pieces that were amazing, magnificent, and we had Elijah. So that, that's a great slam list. I don't care who you are, so for that to be an open mic, you know the night had to start off really, really well. I'm going to go over a couple of quick clips from the open mic. Uh, Piper Mullins, we got to hear from them. They don't come out super often, so it's always a treat when we get to hear from Piper. Uh, read two pieces. One was a love poem. 
about someone pretty amazing and pretty awesome. It was me. And the other one was a great piece that I personally haven't heard in quite a while, The Church of My Body. So I'm going to play you a quick clip of that. In The Church of My Body, God does not have a pronoun. God is the kind of morning when you wake before the alarm, make breakfast from scratch, pet the dog. God is catching a sunrise before it asks. Such a great piece. Such an interesting, deep, thought-provoking piece. Talk about the church of my body, and it has no gender. It is a temple. It has all these qualities. It has none of these qualities. Such an interesting, great piece. And such a great way to warm up the crowd for what they were about to experience. So thank you so much again to Piper for sacrificing your words, yourself, your spirit on the altar of getting the night prepared. Another quick clip I'm going to show you is of Jess Nieberg coming with the new stuff, coming with the the brand new pieces is Jess Nieberg. This one was about uh, the curator of the universe says the exhibit is the same and no matter what universe it is and that was one of the the refrains keeps repeating over and over and everything past that changed this was quite an interesting piece a bit of a departure from what we are used to hearing from jess nieberg this was much less narrative than a lot of the work that we've heard from jess the craft was super super strong which is something that uh, she has always been able to bring but this was definitely a different slant a different take on uh, the usual themes and the usual topics and subjects that we hear from Jess Nieberg. It was really refreshing. The curator states that this exhibit looks the same in every version of the universe, a sight imperceptible before now. In this otherworldly devastation, there is a war, and the phenomena has been waiting untouched. And then the other clip we're going to play for you is from Paulie Lippman, who really got the crowd going with his uh, punch a Nazi piece. His uh, Sean Spicer got himself a thesaurus. And, yeah, always a great way to fire up the crowd when you talk about punching the right wing, punching the Nazis. So uh, if you're a right-wing Nazi, then I do not apologize to you. You can go ahead and turn this off right now. I can go without the bandwidth, really. So if you are one of those people, maybe you should skip the next, I don't know, 20 seconds for Polly firing up the crowd, talking about the right way to live. Punch a Nazi in the face! It will make you feel better. Such a great way to get things going, get things moving. Like I said, this open mic was absolutely amazing. It was one of the better open mics I've seen in a very, very long time. A great way to set up for your last chance slam. And your last chance slam, it started off with a familiar face, a familiar voice. Uh, Eddie Eifler was the sacrifice, reading a new-ish piece, a newer piece. Uh, Then we had, in the competition, we had Josh Rines in the first round, Paula Rose... Stylo Marks, Ben, Eliza Beth, Nathan Phillips, Jessica, and Puck Lone Wolf in your first round. Uh, this first round was notable for a few reasons. First up, Stylo Marks really making his, to not overuse a pun, really making his mark on this particular slam. He did a really good job in the first uh, two rounds. Um, his first one. There's sex, there's death, there's human grime, there are fairy tales without Princess Bride. Stylo Mark's given us his take on the vicious cabaret from what my only background is V for Vendetta, but uh, it's actually a show tune from an, uh, an older uh, musical. So Stylo, again, incorporating more of the political, more of the... Uh, radical, trying to get the crowd fired up, trying to get them to uh, get out there and get some action. Now, this is not a one-to-one 
sampling of the song from what I know, from what I can tell. But he does definitely capture the feeling of this vicious cabaret. There's sex, there's death, there's human grime. Fairy tales for one thin dime. Uh, really well. I love how Stylo likes to intersperse these uh, references, these allusions, in a very, like, uh, new and, and different way, in a very, like, hip-hop slant, in a way he doesn't just take them verbatim, but he, he takes the idea, he takes the the meter, the rhyme scheme, he takes the, the theme, the thought, and he interweaves that into what he's trying to say. Really good piece, really interesting, and like I said, this really was a coming-out party for Stylo. He did very, very well in this slam. Uh, next up, the other clip I want to play for you, well, another clip I want to play for you, is from Eliza Beth, who really dug deep in this first round. Deeper than I personally have seen her go emotionally in a very, very long time. This is a poem about her teeth and about how they were uh, getting worked on when she was younger. And these teeth were a metaphor for uh, her identity, her sexuality, her childhood, her her adulthood, everything that would grow into, it, it was really, really well done. And Elizabeth went to an emotional place that really did heighten the performance and really did highlight the words. Let me play you a quick clip from this poem from Elizabeth. Stop bleeding. Be pretty. Be straight. My mouth was a crime scene for years. Just what I was talking about. It's not just the teeth that we are commenting on in this piece it is there's so much wrapped in and well and there's so much wrapped up in what elizabeth is saying about her teeth and about uh people's attempts to quote unquote fix them make them straight make them pretty you know because they were a metaphor for her growing up you know be straight be pretty so well done such a good piece coming from elizabeth who I've always known had the chops to do this, but like I said, I, I have not seen her dig this emotionally deep in a poem in a very, very long time. So it was really, really nice to hear this coming from one of our, our more long-time supporters. And finally, in the first round, we had Jessica, who is fairly new. She's only been coming around for a little while and doesn't slam very, very often. She decided to try and throw her hat into the ring and see what happens, see if there was a capture lightning in the bottle night at the Mercury Cafe. Now, she professed, by her own admission, to be a writer of love poems, and she did not disappoint. Uh, this clip I'm going to play you is a love poem of sorts. It's more of a uh, when love goes wrong poem. You know what? I'll let you make up your own mind as I play this. I have written page upon page, wrote till the pen went dry, wrote till your love went dry. I have mastered tying you into my language. So that was Jessica in the first round talking about how it is so easy to give oneself over to love and, and lose one's own identity into a relationship. Uh, those were the big highlights of your first round. In your second round, we had Paula Rose, Elizabeth, Stylo Marks, and Jessica again. Uh, interesting here because Elizabeth actually had the high score but opted to go second instead of last. Interesting strategic choice, and I'm not sure it quite paid off for her in the end, but we'll get to that when we talk about the third round. Uh, in this round, I'm going to play you a, a clip from Paula Rose and from Jessica. Now, Paula Rose started us off with Vulnerability Cafe. Uh, which was a really nice piece, uh, one that I had not heard personally from her, and she uses this allegory of the cafe and being vulnerable and, and ties it into all different sorts of menu items that would be available to someone at the Vulnerability Cafe. Let me play you a quick clip of that poem so you can get a little taste 
uh, pun intended, if you will, of that piece. Welcome to Vulnerability Cafe. Something to get you started? Perhaps a glass of freshly cried tears. And that was the opening line right there. So what a way to kick off that piece, the Vulnerability Cafe, just really kicking the door down on that poem. I think Paula really kind of got swallowed up by the order because she did end up going first in the second round. And by the time we got around to Stylo Marx and and Jessica, uh, I think that just the score creep was not on her side. Which leads me back around to what I was saying about Eliza Beth. So she opted to go second instead of last, and I think she fell victim to score creep as well as Paula Rose did, because uh, the two people to make it out of the second round into the third were the last two to go, Stylo Marks and Jessica. I will play you a, another clip from Jessica from her second round piece, a uh, really, really well done poem about laundry and about how she kind of folded in the laundry of this person she was taking care of into her own, and it really becomes a metaphor for taking care of others at the expense of oneself about how I never did my own laundry, I only did your laundry, I never took care of myself, I only took care of you. Really, really well done. I'll play you a clip from that laundry piece. I always added her problems, worries, bad habits, dirty laundry to mine. So if there's one theme that I've noticed in this Last Chance Slam, it is that the craft is coming very, very strong. Uh, a lot of really, really good writers in this entire Last Chance Slam. So that was Paula Rose and Jessica from the second round. Now, I already said that the only two to make it out of that second round were Stylo Marks and Jessica. Uh, Jessica had the high score, opted to go second, and based off of the score creep of the night, she did end up taking the last spot for the Mercury Cafe team selection. She did it on another love poem. Gave love, broke up with love, hated love, gave even more love, lost faith in love. A poem about how she gave love, lost faith in love, broke up with love, and really looking at love from all these different angles, from all these different perspectives. Really nice piece, and she, I would say, definitely deserved to win based off of what was going on in that third round. Again, nothing to take away from Stylo Marks. Like I said, this really was a coming out party for Stylo. It's just that Jessica had the right poem in the right spot and the right audience to back her up. So she was your last chance winner. She was the one who took it home and will compete for the 2017 Mercury Cafe National Slam team, along with all those other names I read before. So definitely come out. You do not want to miss this Team Selection Slam from either the Mercury Cafe or from Slam Nuba. Crossroads Theater, 7 o'clock on Friday. Mercury Cafe, 6.30 on Sunday. It's going to be off the charts good. It's going to be amazing. And you're going to be talking about this for days afterward. All right, that was your last chance slam for the Mercury Cafe. And now it is my special honor, duty, and privilege to welcome in our guest this week, Denver Slam legend, elder statesman, Paulie Lippman. Our guest tonight is Slam legend, local, <laughs> local, uh, guy. Man <laughs> uh, Paulie Lippman. Woo! Thank you for joining us today, Paulie. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. I got some questions for you. Okay. Uh, I got seven of them, which is one more than I usually do, so. All right. The, the long windedness. B- bonus round. Bonus right. question, bonus round. First up, same question I asked everyone. At the be- at the very beginning, why slam? What brought you to this venue? Um. Well, I don't know. I did you know some open mics back home when I was well, when I was living in Florida, and then I was doing the Friday night uh, an open mic at the Mercury here in Denver, 
And it always seemed to be the same thing. You know, it's like no matter how well anyone did, everyone waited politely and then golf clapped at the end. And I don't know. I mean, I came I came to poetry through a lot of different things, but a lot of it was some punk rockers, you know, that also did poetry, be it Jim Carroll or Exine Cervenka. And I kind of come from, a, you know, punk background. And I wanted more visceral reactions. You know, if somebody didn't like what I was saying, I wanted them to boo. And then I could talk to them afterwards, you know, and they liked it. I wanted, you know, a lot of, I wanted to know it like right then. I wanted a more visceral response and interaction. And open mics didn't seem to provide that. And then I was asked politely and in some retrospect, in some ways justified, asked not to read at the Friday night open mic ever again. So what happened there? Why were you asked not to read again? Uh, the host at the time, who will remain nameless. Um, <laughs> we both know. Yeah, we both know. Um, no, nah, just some of the material I was doing, but also, I don't know. I don't know if you didn't like my attitude or whatever. Some of the, I mean, the material I was doing at the time was utter crap. So on that, uh, yeah, but then again, I heard worse. And they would get seven minutes, you know, to ramble on. So uh, someone in the audience came up to me afterward. I can't remember who. And they said, I think what goes on here Sundays is more what you're looking for. Now, I had vaguely heard of Poetry Slam. Um, I had heard, you know, third told tales from Chicago, you know, and I thought, oh, God, that's where they, like, throw things at you, right? So I went, um, saw what it was, what the format was, you know, how the audience was encouraged to react. Uh, scores were, you know, an interesting twist. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do, but also listening to a lot of those people. I mean, I did what I had, the material I had for a while, and it wasn't going well. So you didn't have a lot of early success when you first uh, No, I, uh, first six months, uh, this is when it was every week, uh, I never made it out of the first round for six months. And then, weirdly, I caught a weird, on the next six months, I caught a weird thing where I would make it to the final round and be beaten by about one-tenth of a point for about six months. I know that life right there. And then the Denver Post wrote an article about the slam, called, uh, that hit me up to use my picture they had taken. I was like, great! And then I didn't know they were going to go on about all that loss and near win and whatnot in the paper, but then they did. Um, but, yeah, and then I started to, you know, uh, slam, if anything, teaches editing. So I learned how to do that, because it used to be I'd do, you know, right at the 305, going full blast the whole time. Um, it taught me editing, it taught me nuance, it taught me, you know, yeah, you get, you can go, you know, punk rock full throttle, but you gotta have some variance, you gotta have some, you know, for my music background, you gotta have dynamics. So, you know, not necessarily taking on exactly the, the Pixies songwriting philosophy, loud, quiet, loud, uh, but somewhat, yeah, and the other writers I would see that I, I liked, uh, tended to mold me a little bit. Who were some of those early influences? Uh, that would be Ian Doggerty, who, uh, through Slam, has become my best friend of about 15 years. Uh, Andrea Gibson, uh, definitely. Definitely Andrea Gibson. Kate McKay. Um, kind of that core unit uh, with me and, you know, a couple other people involved were, like, the Slam <laughs> team for variating alternates for, you know, the first few years. I missed... Uh, I got into it right after... Their, the first team Denver ever sent came back from Nationals. So then also I was influenced by, like, well, I got this book by this guy. Check this out. I got the CD. So Shane Koizan would be in there because um, everybody was talking about him. Everybody was talking about Breon Bain. 
Uh, and people like to hoot nine. So yeah, those would be the early influences. I hate. I don't hate, but I, uh, the weird influences is weird to me because every time someone's asked me who my influences are, I say that, and then they like, you don't sound like them at all. So I guess you could say more of my inspirations than my influences. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I've known you for about thirteen years. About that. About this month, as a matter of fact, so like April yeah, yeah, four yeah. was my first month doing this. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, you've been writing more personally than any other time that I've known you more recently. So uh, what has caused all this personal writing, and what are your goals with all the writing you've been doing recently? Well, I mean, for a long while, I like to th I like to feel and think that everything I write, it does come from a personal place, but it's always been how an outside element has affected me personally. Uh, uh, just be it as a person or as a Jew, there's a lot of that in my work. But I don't know. I... I um, I don't know. Winter um, tends to not be a productive time for me, writing-wise. Um, I think that's why a lot of times I'll tour in the fall and the winter, because I'm not producing anything new. And I, I don't know. I guess winter is death and shutting off the old year, and spring is the new year. But instead of looking out, and I've had a lot of <laughs> inspiration that way, too, <laughs> given what happened in January. Right. Um, but also, yeah, it, it's just, I don't know what, kicked it off but it was more just like I go to a weekly writing group and it'd be like I don't have anything so I would just type like a, a few lines of like this is where my head is right now I don't know maybe born out of frustration maybe a subliminal desire to you know shift gears um with my work I don't know I just it seems lately just that's what comes out do you have any particular goals with this uh, most recent Daughter writing you been doing? I don't know. Uh, I like I said, I didn't plan on it, so I don't really have any like goals for it. Um, I just put out a chapbook collection of all my Jewish themed poetry, and yesterday um, I was looking around in my files, and I was just like, there are five that you know don't fit that, but are of that personal nature. So I think another chap, you know, get about five, six more of those, and that'll be another collect, you know, another collection. So I guess that's a goal. Um, I don't know. Uh, the more quieter and personal stuff has been um i go on submitting bouts you know i'll do a bunch at once and then not for a while submitting uh, to uh literary lit yeah literary magazines journals yeah. and whatnot and um so those seem to be the ones that people have been wanting to publish more um a couple just got picked up by a magazine uh produced by a group called nysi nysia uh, Staten Island, they uh, just put out their new issue. I've got two poems in there. Um, one that I think mixes... Um, I don't really perform it much because it's... It plays with text a lot more and how it looks on the page normally more than I do called Resonance. That got picked up by the Emerson Review, um, which I know who they are and whatnot, but I just like, you know, I'll submit to them. Why not? But, yeah, I don't know if there's any like particular goal in it. It just seems... I don't know. Maybe it was just my brain going, you, there's a facet of writing that you don't normally do and here, you know, let's try it. And I think also just <laughs> aging uh, might have something to do with it. Maybe. Catching up well, yeah. And there, when I got into slam, like addressing the broad topic was not really the big thing. It was very, you know, dealing with the personal and pathos. Um, and me, I, you know, I'd like to at some point strike a balance, you know, the personal is political, but you know, to like keep both in mind. I don't know. Um, the one thing that the venue that we're in 
slam um, is the you can tell when somebody just stops trying to you know or try you know not try anything different they go with what works because that's what wins and I think I broke through a thing a long time you know not that long ago but you know like who am I writing for do the scores really matter is it more the fact that this gimmick brings people out and gets them to listen and what I can do within that even if it doesn't involve winning yeah so maybe your goals and for slam in general have kind of shifted a little bit and not so much trying to win but more oh yeah I um I have found be it the the adult national poetry slam uh when I was volunteering at Cupsy here in Boulder a few years back and just you know going to uh seeing uh being you know like BNV and, and then the youth teams is the teams I always the, the work that gets presented by certain teams and individuals the weirder I, I'm always like you're my pony and sometimes the general public like that'll become like the new thing like at Cupsy uh the team that Brown uh brought um featured people like Paul Tran and uh, Chrysanthemum Tran and they they were like my pony like I I it, like giving slam giving slam in the world I don't know if this will do well score wise, but I like this shit. I also really liked the what um, UT brought, and they wound up winning the thing. But Brown was like, "This is the most interesting work," and it's just, I guess, taking me a while to like challenge myself in that, you know, and keeping up with a lot of the, like the younger poets because they're bringing the new, they're bringing thing, you know. When you think you have become the best at something, someone almost immediately is going to come along and prove you wrong if you think you're done learning. At any point, you're going to get proven pretty quickly that there's more to sure. learn. So I, I try to keep myself in that mindset. And I guess that might be also one of the reasons that's kind of, you know, pointed my writing in a different direction. You, uh, you brought up touring, how you like to do that during the fall and the winter. Uh, mm-hmm. You've toured pretty extensively across this country. Yep, um, and a little bit of Canada. Describe for our audience what touring life is like. What are the highs, what are the lows, and <laughs> who do you recommend it for? Um, well, it's a little weird. Um, there, um, there are touring possibilities and performance possibilities at colleges and universities. Um, but there, you know, there are certain channels you have to go through with that. And I've never been good at like getting through on that. I might get brought in by a campus organization, but when people say, you know, I did this college and I made, you know, X amount of dollars, that's usually not, that's usually the college itself booking you or the entertainment division, I guess you could say, of the college booking you. I get booked by organizations on campus who have far less money. I tend to, I don't know, the way I do it, it may not be the best way to do it. Uh, I could, you know, there might be something better, but I tend to do it, you know, like I said, I have a punk background. I do it, you know, it's DIY. I put out my books myself. I put out, I record and put out albums myself, and I book my tours myself. Um, Some of it's limited, you know, like only knowing slam people and doing that, but a lot of times I'll put out like, Hey, I'm doing this in your area. Is there a workshop I can do? Is there an event going on outside of Slam that I could do? And a lot of times I just get clued into things like that. When I was in Honolulu a few years back, I had you know some you know Slam dates set up, but then they were like, "Hey, uh, you're staying with me. A couple of us are doing this thing at the Hawaiian a feature at the Hawaiian Writers Conference. Do you want to do that?" Uh, but yeah, a lot of it is is you know people I know, people I've met. People, you know, I don't, you know, connecting me with other people. Like, I've toured the Northwest a few times, but this last time I hit some spots that I haven't normally, like Olympia. Um, a lot of it's, you know, it's kind of limited for me. A lot of it's fly out and then bus 
like fly out to one destination and then bus from there because I don't own a car. I don't have a bank account. Um, so yeah, I tend to keep the I, I tend to toward DIY and um, highlights. You know, if I was making you know buku, you know, and doing gigs that could provide me with lodging, that'd be one thing. But it's like you go to your hotel room at the end of the night and it's just you. Uh, the benefit of staying with people that put you know that put you up. Um, is, you know, you get to talk to them, you get to hang out with them, you see what they're like. Um, so that's definitely a benefit. Um, and it's also, if you're in the hotel end of town, people at the hotel will tell you, well, you go here to eat and here to eat, you know, I, I'm always like, especially if it's a touristy town, I'm like, well, where do you go? You know, the people I'm staying with, the people I'm hanging out with, like, where do you go? What's your favorite spot? I found a wonderful diner in Olympia, thanks to those folks, that has a whole separate menu for tater, just different varieties of tater tots. I wouldn't find that with a guidebook. Probably not. Or anything. So that's definitely a, a, a positive aspect of that. Um, the pay is decent. It's, you know, it's not great. A lot of times if I break even on a tour, I'm cool with it. Um, yeah, I mean, downside is if you're not ready for couches, you know, to sleep on couches and whatnot. Uh, and sometimes it's a floor, you know, and that's... That's fine, you know. Um, I'm also, as you are, a wrestling fan. So I listened to the tales of the guys, you know, when they did the independent circuit, you know. Sometimes you'd go 200 miles for a hot dog and a handshake. That's right. Like but you got, and half a sandwich. And yeah, but you got to do what you want to do, and you got to meet people, and you got to, you know, ask them questions. You know, I love sitting, uh, you know, sitting with poets. You know, a lot of times I'll come in because I'm a fresh ear. They'll ask me, like, hey, what do you think of this piece I did, or can you look at this? That's definitely a positive aspect for me. One tour I did during the summer uh, a year, I decided not to go out for a slam team. And in a lot of cities, that's their slam team season. That's when they're building their team. That's when they're putting their group pieces together and whatnot. And I don't know, about six times out of ten, I'd be asked, hey, could you sit in on a, uh, a rehearsal and give us some advice? And that was a great thing, too, you know. Not that I'm some, you know, grand expert, but it was, you know, you're a fresh year. You're not from here. A lot of places, you know, uh, the most common cry here at Nationals is when a piece does not do as well as one thought. It's like, well, it kills at home. It's because all they've gotten is their home ear, and they don't, you know, know anything outside. So that's a positive. Like I said, downside is um, not the best money, but if I were doing this for, like, strictly money, I would have gotten out of it a long time ago. Uh, who do you recommend the touring life for? Like, Um... Either younger folks or older folks that are in good shape. <laughs> um, so you can recover from, you know, sleeping on like five couches or curled up on a love seat or um, just the endurance of it. I mean, I, I, I do a series of odd jobs to keep myself afloat. That's how, you know, that's how I make, you know, my living. You know, I do security work and whatnot. And while I, it's not the most steady work, so a lot of times I don't have money, so that's the downside of it. Upside is someone offers me a gig, I can go do it if I want to. I have the time, I have the flexibility to be able to go do that. Freedom to do that. Yeah, if you've got a full-time job, you know, I wouldn't recommend it for somebody with, um, I mean, some people are able to do it, and all credit to them. I'm not disparaging anyone who does it. I would recommend it for people not with a family, um, like the way I do it. Like, if you can get flown out for one gig and make, you know, and not, it's not going to affect your house payment, you know, it's not going to affect, you know, putting food in your kid's mouth, that's great, go do that. Um, the way I do it, I, yeah, I would recommend it for young people, you know, more flexible, you know, that have more flexibility in their lives. I, for a long time, worked at a bar here 
where I had great flexibility. My manager's like, you know, whatever you go do, when you come back, you got a job. And that was great. It's not so much, <laughs> that's much the case these days. But, um, yeah. Uh, um, but also, I would recommend it to people. I dove into it a little too early. I went on my first tour when I had no rights to. Um, and I value the experience. And, yes, it led me to go, well, I'm great at networking. I'm great at setting this thing up. But my, my work is... Yeah, no, I'm sorry I inflicted this on you and that you paid me money for it. Um, so you have to strike some kind of happy medium between experience, but still kind of like... Being fresh about being it. Being fresh about it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, we're coming up on Team Selection Weekend. Mm -hmm. What are some of your most memorable moments from Team Selection in the past, and what do you expect from this year's Team Selection? Oh, wow. Um, there have been... A, there have been Sixteen, uh, uh, both, um... God, you're old. Yeah, well, duh. <laughs> I mean, up until 2006, it was just the Merc, and then after 2007, Slam Nuba was formed, and then there were their team selections as well. I don't, oh, there's so, oh my God. Plus, my brain isn't what it used to be, memory-wise. I used to do a lot of drugs. Um, been sober about 20 years, but it's still, you know, I've got two brain cells left, and they're fighting over a Pop-Tart, and it's strawberry, so ew. Um, hmm. Pretty much any time Andrea Gibson has been in, in a team selection, because Andrea Gibson is Andrea Gibson and can, like, blow the doors off, be it older work, new work, whatever. Um, 04 was a highlight for me, uh, since me and my best friend Ian Doggerty had done the team member alternate dance for a few years. Um, he'd be a team member, I'd be an alternate, or vice versa. And 04, when we both realized we were going to make the team together and be able to work together. That was definitely a highlight for me. Seeing the first Slam Nuba team formed was great. Like, new venue, new team. Um, yeah, those would, be, yeah, those would be some of my highlights. What do you expect from this year's team selection? Um, there's a lot of new talent in town. A lot. We tend to import <laughs> uh, a bit. Um, yeah, a lot of younger, younger, the age is definitely skewing younger, but... The ideas, the approaches from uh, some of the newer poets, and seeing in my head, like, oh, if those two people were on a team together, I would like, or three, you know, like, what kind of group piece would they come up with? Because, as you know, group work is, we're pretty well known for it, just this town in general, be it our youth team or any of our two adult teams. So I'm picturing in my mind combinations. It's like, oh, those guys and those guys could do that, or that one person's solo poem could possibly be made into a five-person group piece or however many. Um, I mean, I'm participating in the, the Mercs one. Um, I don't know if I'll make the team or not. Um, for me, it's it's not. I'm not disregarding the importance of it, but if I make the team, great. Uh, but if I don't, I still get to go to Nationals because it's here. I can take a, the 83L bus to Nationals, which has never happened. And the way I look at it, this year, it's... it's it's not that, like, you don't get on the team, you don't go pressure. It's, if I get on the team, great. I will put all my effort into, you know, doing the work with that team. If not, I'll switch to a volunteer basis. I've already been dubbed a Slambassador. So I can also add, like, hosting, you know, or bout managing or venue managing to that as well. But I'm just excited. The, the key thing was someone was like, yeah, but you already said the show lineup was going to be great. I mean, the show lineup at, the, uh, the, at Slam Nuba's one is going to be fantastic as well, but they were like, the show lineup's going to be great. You don't want to be a part of that. You're going to regret 
you've already alluded to it, but you've been on a, plenty of national teams. Yep. As both a competing member and an alternate. So mm -hmm. what are some of the benefits to being a member of a slam team, and what are some of the challenges? Um, benefit is you get to work with people in your community, hopefully, that you admire and respect. And you get an insight kind of into their process as they're running, you know, as you run individual pieces, you're like, okay, you do this thing in this point in the poem. Why? You know, and you get to, you get a, you get a peek, you get a, you know, a sneak peek into their process, you know, and you're like, oh, maybe I can apply that to my work or something, you know, not to copy, but you know, like that's something I never thought of. And you, and the same thing with them to you, you know, you're like, that's how you thought of that. That, uh, okay. Um, that's definitely a benefit, working together with people. It will change you as a person and you as a writer and your writing uh, as well. Because once you get a glimpse into somebody else's process and learn how to work in a group, because a lot of times with Slam, we're, we're, you know, we're solo. You know, We do what we do and that's it. And yeah. Um, did you say downsides as well? Challenges. Yeah. Challenges. Um, Poet personalities vary all over the map. And um, in benefit with that, you get to realize somebody, some folks' motivation. How has Denver poetry changed since you've been slamming? And where do you see it going in the future? Oh, wow. Um, the skill level has risen every year. I mean, it was a good skill level to begin with, but it's risen like all the years I've been here. Um, Skill level, uh, subject matter, you know, I don't know. There was a thing for a while with the teams that, like, I don't know. If someone, like, wrote a really great breakout poem on a particular subject or, took, like, took a more personal bent or worldview. It's like if somebody wrote a really great breakout piece that was kind of like a dark worldview, we'd all start writing dark. We'd all, like, cycle together and just, you know, that would happen. Um, definitely, um... A lot more, um, a lot more of the personalized political and political in general has come in, which is, is fantastic. Um, as we all as people have learned about different aspects of life for different people that we didn't, we're not aware of to begin with. It's a, you know, so we're all, I think of all have been learning that things outside our own experience and how to address them, how not to co-opt them or appropriate them. Um, it's a learning process. Um, yeah, but uh, I see that more going forward. But also, the weird a little bit seems to be creeping back into Denver, or the not conventional. Um, Connor Marvin has definitely brought that in. It brings in as aspects of ceremonial magic and you know things I would never think of. Uh, into it, so yeah. Catherine Grace for the twenty one twelve. Yeah, I mean, writing a whole poem, like using a rush album, rush concept album as a political metaphor, is freaking fantastic. Or you got someone like Wheeler, like addressing similes and metaphors in that one particular. Oh my god, yeah, just the 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 coming from a like a not traditional viewpoint, and I think that always makes the best kind of poetry. So I think we're heading in that direction. Okay. All right, last question. Okay. It's the last question I ask of everyone. Okay. So you're walking along the beach, come across a magic lamp, mm -hmm. rub it three times, mm -hmm. Jeannie pops out, says you have one wish for Denver poetry. What is your one wish? While being committed to craft, always be open to learn.
about new things and incorporate that. Or just the general... Just the general... Yeah, like, please don't ever, like, turn yourself off. You know, like, always keep the learning and new data flowing in and let that incorporate itself into you and your work as the poetry body in general. Yeah, sure. That works. The body poetic as it were. The body poetic as it were. Well, with me, it's more the arse poetica, but... uh, Because I am a huge arse, but... um, Yeah. All right, well... Thank you again to Paula Littman for being our guest this week. Anything else you want to say before we turn the recorder off? Um, nah. This uh, other than this, the slam off, the slam offs this week uh, and uh, Friday Slam Nuba, Sunday Mercury. They're gonna be insane, and I think we're gonna have really interesting teams coming out of both. Another fantastic guest here on the Mile High Poetry Slam podcast with Paulie Lippman, telling it like it is, just giving you a perspective unique that only really he could give you, talking about the challenges and the triumphs of being on a team, the highs, the lows about touring, who it's for, uh, why it works for him, his approach to doing it. Such a great interview. Thank you again one more time to our guest, Paulie Lippman. And now we're going to go over some quick hits. So I know I've been really pumping up the team selection slams at Slam Nuba on Friday night and at Mercury Cafe on the Sunday, but if you're not going to be in town in the Denver metro area and you still want some poetry on Friday night, well then you should definitely check out the Colorado Springs Just Speak, Just Listen, Just Move showcase. That's going to be down at Colorado College Edith Kinney Entertainment Center. That's also going to be on Friday, April 28th, 7.30 doors. And guess what? It's free of charge. They are not asking for money at the door. And the reason why this is such a special, important event is because not only are you bound to see maybe some Colorado Springs local poets, but we're getting some Albuquerque poets going up on there. We're going to have Jessica Helen Lopez, Carlos Contreras, Mercedes Holtry, and Hakeem Bellamy from Albuquerque, New Mexico in Colorado Springs. So if you are not checking out that Slam Nuba Team Selection Slam, then... I hope very much for your sake, for the sake of your life and your art and your poetry, that you are checking out Just Speak, Just Listen, Just Move down in Colorado Springs. It is going to be amazing. That is a great show. I would be going to that if I were not going to the Slam Nuba Team Selection. So if you can't make it, then I highly suggest you get on down to Colorado Springs and check out some of the best that Albuquerque has to offer. It's going to be a great show, and you will not be disappointed. Go there, plan to go there now, and thank me later. All right, that's going to do it for us. Again, a huge thank you to this week's guest, Paulie Lippman. I also want to send out thanks to Jill Carno. We are not actually going to slit anybody's throat, a.k.a. we will, metaphorically. Thank you to Franklin Cruz. It's literally, you are about to punch through the roof, get the dancers upstairs, pull them through the floor because they are in the wrong room. Thanks to Lindsay Thomas. You're just like, shit, did that deity just walk in? And as always, thank you to the audience at the Mercury Cafe. Until next week, I'm signing off. Remember, the point is not the point. The point is not the poetry. The point is, was, and always will be the people. We'll see you next week, everyone. Take care. (laughs) 